Hi everyone, this is Jen Petrie and this is episode 5 of Hernia U, Why You Do What You Do. Today I'm very honored to be sitting here with Professor Yakel here in London as we're sitting at AWRE and we're going to be talking about music and medicine. Hello Professor. Hello Jennifer. <laughs> so my first question for you today is how long have you had a love for music? Well since a very long time, as most people. Um, and it started, uh, let's say, um, when I was five. Uh, because for, before that time, there was not much music in my life. There was not mu much music around me. Starting the age of five. And why is music special to you? Music is special for me because I... I play the piano and I love to play the piano and I think the piano is the most fantastic instrument to express your feelings and music is important to me because music in all kinds of forms of music uh, can affect me either make me very uh, happy or give me a lot of energy or make me a little uh, not sad, but um, melancholic. Is that a nice word? Yes, it is. Melancholic. Is there certain music that makes you happy? Uh, yes. A certain, yeah, there is, there is a lot of music that makes me happy. And on the right moment, of course. It depends so much on the moment. And then even sad music can make you very happy because it makes you have, get the right feeling. Um, and the music that makes me, uh, give me uh, gives me energy um, is music with a, a very stimulating rhythm. I like rhythm in music too. Um, and uh, also music that has a very strong element of composition. A very strong, like, like for example, even in classical music, there is some music that makes you feel makes you very energetic and that's for example the requiem of mozart the requiem the requiem of mozart he wrote it when he was about dying and that music has such an energy and gives you such a in fact a positive energy that you feel force in yourself by listening to that music and there's more music like that and how i couldn't agree more how did you first think to bring music into medicine? Yes, that's about six years ago. Um, playing music uh, with... Um, because I play music with other people sometimes. I play music, uh, me on the piano and somebody else on the cello, for example. And then I was playing cello uh, for some month with uh, the, the, C the CEO uh, of the Erasmus University. She was playing cello very well, so we played cello, cello and piano together. And then we talked about our Erasmus Medical Center and about the patients. And then I told her, well, what we feel together in this music that we make, if we could give this to the patients, um, because patients are really in a situation in a hospital where they are afraid, where they had to go to and feel a lot of anxiety. 
um, and they know in a surgery they get pain, so they are afraid, they have stress, they have anxiety. So what could help those patients without having toxic drugs or whatever to lower that stress and that anxiety and maybe that pain? Who knows? It is music. So let's try to look at music as a treatment, as a new treatment of medicine. And I called that, since that time I made that project, and I called it Music as Medicine. Mum. It's um, in the same words in the Netherlands. It's Musik als Medicijn. It's also Mum. So Music as Medicine. Mum. And it's, it, it's, it's now really in the Netherlands. It's a well-known world, mom, music as a medicine. That's wonderful. And how do you, as you're doing this, how do you gauge success when adding music into medicine? Yeah, uh, so if you like to introduce, if you like to introduce in medicine, a completely new treatment, which is completely unusual, which is quite unexpected, um, then, and the only way to get it into medicine and to get it to the patients is to prove that this new method and this new way of treatment is effective. So you should do really good scientific studies to prove that it is the case, that music can be a treatment, that music can be a medicine. And do you feel that there's, you, you talked about your personal preference, but do you feel that there's certain types of music that are better in medicine? Um, well, in the meantime, in those six years now, uh, I have five PhD fellows in music as medicine. So we do studies like randomized controlled trials, of course, randomized controlled trials we do, in which we um, have a patient group, and that is surgery but it's also in young children it's also in premature born babies babies who have a, a retardation in growth so to stimulate the growth even we do now a randomized controlled trial trying to stimulate the growth of the brain in premature born babies so that is randomized controlled trials and such a trial is set up uh, in such a way that in the group where you apply music, uh, the patients get, like in surgery, they get a, an earphone on, and the computer chooses whether there will be music in the earphone or not. So half of the patients get music in the earphone, and half of the patients no. do not get music in the earphone. And then you look at the outcome in those patients. Now, take now surgery, for example. Um, patients get an earphone on before surgery, during surgery, and after surgery. And the computer chooses whether there will be music or not. After surgery, you're looking at pain, anxiety, and stress. Because that is what the patients have. And indeed, in that study, we did a randomized control trial. We are performing now even a double-blinded randomized control trial. And we find that those patients 
who received music in their earphone during surgery had significant less pain after surgery, significant less anxiety after surgery and significant less stress. We also find now that those patients don't well, have less pain medicines, particularly they have significant less opioids, so they might have significant less chance of being and getting addicted to opioids. Wow. So that is what we find now. So it is extremely important for the society that there, that there will be less opioids to the patients and then maybe less possibility for addiction to opioids. Has there been any correlation to recovery time? Well, uh, that is what nobody looked for as yet. And we are now starting a very large study with more than 500 patients and patients with a hip fracture. And the average age of a patient with a hip fracture is very high. I didn't know. It's as high as 79.6 years. So it's 80 years old. It's the average age of a person with a hip fracture. And there we apply again in a randomized controlled trial music or no music at the earphone of those patients and then we look at the most frequent complication of those patients which is and m many many doctors don't know that the most frequent complication of patients that get a hip fracture so it's older patients going in an acute phase to the hospital the most common complication is a delirium, a post-operative delirium, and a state where the patient is confused, is disoriented, is, has a lot of anxiety, has a lot of stress, and is in, in disarray. That situation occurs after hip surgery, you can believe it, in between 20 and 65 percent. So 20 to 65 percent of those patients with a hip fracture gets that post-operative delirium. Imagine, and it's a, it's a very dangerous situation because patients who get that have a higher chance for mortality and for being uh, later out of the hospital and having to go to a caring house, I'm not sure how to... Yeah. So uh, it's, a, it's a major complication and we are sure that we can lower that incidence of post-operative delirium because we know now that we can significantly lower the complication of pain, of stress and anxiety. And those three complications are the reason very often for having a delirium. Wow. So I have one more, I think, very important question for you. What do you see as being the next steps to growing this movement of having more music and medicine worldwide it started but how do we keep getting the word out there yeah, to is the the way to do this is to do more good randomized control trials and uh, meta-analysis to show the evidence but i've shown now level one evidence in the meantime of the effect of uh, music and surgery in adults, we are now doing a large randomized control trials in children, surgery too, 
And as I, t I told you, in uh, the growth of uh, premature born babies, there we don't have level one evidence as yet, but we have level one evidence in surgery in adults. So now we have to get it out in the world. And that is the most difficult thing with all randomized control trials and with all level one evidence. How can you implement it in healthcare? So the implementation of a finding by the highest scientific evidence yes. in healthcare is, is as important as doing the randomized controlled trial. So the implementation studies, there are official implementation studies where you take all the stakeholders of that treatment. So the anesthetists and the nurses and the surgeons and the patients, of course, you take those huh, in, in, in a implementation study uh, and there, and that study you can publish too, and that, in that way you try to implement it in, in the society and in healthcare. Well, I I'm excited to see this continue to grow. Um, congratulations on all these efforts. I can see what you're doing is making a huge impact. And this will be the conclusion of our episode five, why you do what you do with Professor Yackel.